0: You've been so consistent in your giving, your support of hope worldwide, your support of poor people all around the world. So I'm just grateful to you guys, but also on a personal level, you know Michelle and I got to be here for uh, uh, nine years of our lives uh, serving in the New York City Church of Christ. and this was just a fantastic time in our life. Uh, my son, Andrew, who you saw stand up, was actually born here, well born in New Jersey. And I, I, I know New Jersey's the step brother, but but you guys, come on, we're brothers. You guys love us anyways. And, uh, you know, and, and I think, honestly, uh, the other reason is just uh, because two of the people that I feel, and I know my, fi- my wife feels the same, the most indebted to, so grateful in our life, are Sam and Cynthia Powell. And we love you guys. We're so, so grateful. And, uh, you know, you don't know it. I... I Bounce around the globe now with Hope Worldwide. I get a, a very much a global perspective on our fellowship. I'm in, I'm in more churches than I can even count. I'm an average, probably about three or four different services every month uh, around the world. And, and you don't know what a kingdom treasure the Powell's are and how much of an impact they've had all over the world as well as New York City. Uh, you guys are very blessed. Obviously, God loves you in a great way. Uh, thank you, Powell's. Um, I'm excited to share, you know, I want to share a little bit about Hope Worldwide and then we're going to jump into the scriptures, okay, and uh, do some Bible study. It's now been a year for me, uh, being the CEO of Hope Worldwide and Hope Worldwide is an amazing organization. We're celebrating our, uh, 25 years now and in 25 years, God has done miracles. It's nothing less than a miracles story. The, 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 the places we've been, the things that God has done, the people that have been involved and supportive of Hope Worldwide. One of the first things that's just always so shocking to me is how many places Hope Worldwide exists, you know. And uh, I, I, I've been I've been traveling about two to three weeks a month for the last year, just bouncing all over the world, uh, visiting the different programs, the different projects. Uh, most of the time, Michelle with me, and and Hope is everywhere, you know, and it's everywhere because. Disciples are everywhere because we're everywhere, you know. And and the the, the coolest thing about hope is hope isn't them over there doing something somewhere. Hope is you. Amen. Hope is you. You know how, like, you know, Superman, well, in the old days, he used to run in a telephone booth. He didn't do that anymore. There's no Pulled out his cell phone, I guess. And he rips off his jacket, right? And there'd be the big S underneath. Well, for us, you rip off the jacket, there's a Hope t-shirt underneath right we're all we're hope your hope your hope all over the world your hope here in New York City and great things happening I was just uh, two weeks ago in Baton Rouge with uh, disciples the volunteers that were cleaning up uh, Denham Springs which was uh, an area of of Louisiana that was just devastated by floods and it was so incredible I, I love this picture you can't see it too well but But, you know, just typical us, you know, we're from everywhere, from all these different states, all these different backgrounds. And I found out that the site that we were at, where we had the morning devotional and preparation rally to go out and serve all these people, and the town that we were in was the town that was about ready to explode with racial strife, where a a police officer had been shot, where a young man had been shot, where there was so much enmity, there was so much anger in the community. And the very site we were at was the headquarters of just six months before that it had been purchased. Before that, it was the headquarters of the Ku Klux Klan. And here we were, of every race, every nation, singing, holding hands, going out and serving the community and making a difference, you know, and bringing hope everywhere. And that community was so grateful there 's a video that just came out. I hope you get to see it soon there 's actually a couple videos telling some of the stories of what happened and what 's been happening in that community. but hope is everywhere we 're in sixty eight nations around the world, and that 's where we have hope chapters. We have hope volunteers in more nations than that and then of course, here in the United States we have one hundred and five chapters we 're in one hundred and five cities doing all kinds of incredible work around the world and you know, people are asking me, okay, what is, exactly is hope? What, why, why do we do what we do and what's our, what's our motivation? Here's our motivations, very simple. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. If you were to spend a day, imagine if you could get to spend a whole day with Jesus. What would that be like? How incredible would that be, right? If you could just follow him around in his ministry, and 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 well, first of all, you'd probably need a translator, right? Unless you speak Aramaic, because that's what he was speaking. Or let's just pretend you could speak Aramaic. What would it be like just being with him? And you know, you'd be doing some preaching because that's what he came for, right? He came to preach. But you know what? You'd be doing a lot of spending time with the poor serving the needy, holding hands and praying with the suffering, healing. In fact, that's basically what Hope Worldwide is, serving, teaching, and healing. That's our ministry. Hope Worldwide is a ministry of the church. It's disciples in action. You know, it's incredible because wherever there's a disaster in the world, bam, we're there. We're the first on the scene. We're the first of the first responders. Why? Because we already have people there. And they're already there serving. I went to a meeting of the United Nations in, uh, in Geneva, Switzerland, and I was meeting with the, one of the directors of humanitarian affairs, and he said, I love your volunteers. And he's worked with us in Nepal and in Indonesia, in different places around the world. He's worked with our, with our volunteers And he said, you guys have the most, the happiest people, the most serving people, the most eager people. And your people don't complain. And he said, the miracle about your group is you say you're going to have 100 volunteers. You know, most people say they're going to have 100 volunteers. Ten people show up. You guys say you're going to have 100 volunteers and 120 show up. That's because we're disciples of Jesus, right? That's exactly what happened in Louisiana in that picture. We said we expect 100. We had 120 people there. Of course, you've probably heard of the great works that are happening in Africa from from our history, that we've been there doing so many incredible things with the clinics for for AIDS victims. Now we're focusing more even on the orphans and the children that are victims of of the AIDS AIDS epidemic, Uh, early childhood development, Of course, in Bolivia, we have an incredible clinic that is doing great work and impacting the whole nation, and you know, it's just, it's all like, wow, we're doing all this stuff out there, but it's incredibly different when you're sitting down with a mom, and you get to bring food to give her so that she can feed her children who are starving to death. It puts everything in perspective. You've heard of the great things that are happening in Cambodia, how we've impacted an incredible nation there that's building up out of the ashes of the Pol Pot regime, where everybody who had an education was killed in that country, and they're trying to rebuild the entire infrastructure. We, I just was told a stat by one of their officials that 60% of the medical staff in Phnom Penh, the capital of Cambodia, was trained by Hope Worldwide, by somebody at Hope Worldwide. And, of course, we have the community service brigades that are doing great work. In Central America, a lot of you uh, in the New York City Church of Christ have gone on those brigades and served on those brigades. Then, of course, probably one of our favorite, the Youth Corps, uh, where so many of our kids have gotten to go on. And one of the most incredible things about Youth Corps is on on average, within two weeks of coming back from a Youth Corps, kids that go that are not yet Christians are baptized. Fifty percent of them get baptized within two weeks. I mean, imagine... Imagine if you had a Bible talk that you could do, and everybody you invite to that Bible talk, you knew for sure that 50% of them would get baptized. Would you not do that Bible talk every week? Would you not invite your entire family to that Bible talk? If you knew it was that effective. There's something incredibly powerful about going and experiencing what I call the full kingdom experience. Where you're having devotionals, you're reading, you're praying, you're interacting, helping each other, and you're serving the poor. It's being just like Jesus. Amen? And it really, we have so many different volunteer cores now. The singles corps, we even have family cores. We have different groups going out in uh, different uh, organizations. And of course, we've got the Hope Scouts now that are booming uh, all across the nation. And that's really cool because that's totally a grassroots movement. You know, it was actually some kids in New Jersey who started it. They started it, started the club, it started spreading, and then they called us and said, hey, by the way, you have a new group called Hope Scouts. And it was organized by 12- and 13-year-olds in the New York City Church of Christ and just spreading around the world. I think they have like 40 chapters now. Probably the area that we're the most known in is in our refugee and disaster relief. Uh, particularly the, the work that we've done around the world has gotten attention. Uh, when I've gone to some of these meetings, and prayerfully I'll be going to a meeting tomorrow uh, at the United Nations, when I go in there, what people know is the incredible work that we're doing around the world with disasters. And, you know, our church is so incredibly generous. When there's a disaster, bam, the money is collected and we're able to help right away. And again, because why? We're disciples of Jesus. Um, Of course, the big issue right now in our world is the refugee crisis, and this is what the meeting is that I'm supposed to go to tomorrow about, where we have 65 million people fleeing their countries, 65 million. These are people who are packing up in the middle of the night and running out of their homes with their children, their babies, their, their parents, their grandparents and trying to get to another country where they can find safety, where they can live, where their sons won't be kidnapped by a terrorist group or by abducted into the army, where their, where their daughters will not be kidnapped and raped and sold into slavery, where they can live a good life and have hope for a future. Sixty-five million. Worldwide, there's about 125 million people dispossessed, meaning that some of them didn't leave their country, but they're in another part of the country just trying to survive. And of those who have left, I calculated, basically, it would be like walking. It's the same distance. If you were to go home, pack up only what you could carry, and walk to San Diego, California. That's the distance that they're walking. It's incredible. And they come from every race, every background, multiple languages, multiple religions. And one of the most shocking stats is more than half are children. More than half are children, so we're talking 30 to 40 million children walking this distance. So we are so grateful for the support of the churches, for your support of Hope Worldwide. It's what the International Day of Giving is about. It's, you know, all year long there's different things that we do to support the different programs. The International Day of Giving is to support Hope Worldwide, because we've got to keep Hope Worldwide going so that Hope Worldwide can keep all these programs going and, and keep sending people out. And I want to thank you before, because you guys have always blown it out. You've been so consistent. So I'm just thanking you right now for your victory by faith. Thank you. I want to share the heart of hope. You know, we've been told, when I came in, I was told, okay, hope is the benevolent arm of the church. Why well, don't I Can we not be the arm? Can we be the heart? I'd like to be the heart. So that's what we are. I'm claiming the heart, all right? We're the caring, compassionate, merciful heart of the church in action. Disciples in action. There's a scripture that is our theme scripture for today that I have found incredibly moving, incredibly powerful. It's Hosea 6-6. It's a very simple scripture. It says, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Hosea 6.6. 6. Go ahead and turn on your Bibles and go there. Unless you're like me, old school. I got the written word. I was up here preaching one time and my iPad ran out of power. And it went out on me. And I said, you know what, this one never runs out of power. So I'll use this one. Hosea 6.6 For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, in acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. This scripture, Jesus quoted three times. Three times. He told the religious leaders, go find out what this means. When Jesus says, you better go find out what something means, and guess what? We better find out what it means. What did he mean by this? What was he saying with this? Because it actually presents a theological problem because it says, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Wait a second, who asked for sacrifice? God asked for sacrifice. So what do you mean I desire mercy, not sacrifice? It's when you look at the context, you start to understand what he means. It's not that sacrifice wasn't important. It was important. It's the law. It has to be obeyed. But there's something more important than that. Something more significant. Something that most people miss. And that's mercy. It could also be translated as love. It can also be translated as faithful kindness. Or loyal love. It's a word. The word is written above has said in Hebrew that actually has no English translation. It's a powerful word. And words are incredibly powerful in the Scripture. Every word in the Bible is important. And every word is powerful. And there are some words that are incredibly powerful that you got to know. And You know, when God made all the creation, all He had to do was say the word and it was so, right? He said light and light was so. He called out land with a word and the land appeared. Words are powerful. Jesus is the Word of God. Words are incredibly powerful. This word, mercy, it's what God really wants in, to see in us. It's what He really wants to see in you. There's nothing so powerful This word, because this is the word used to describe God. This word that can be called love, that could be translated love, the power of love, and certainly there's a lot. You know, they say that in in the in the New Testament, of course, that was in Greek, and the word used to translate mercy or Chesed was agape. Because nobody, you know, agape wasn't really a strong word; it didn't really mean a whole lot. So they gave it meaning. God's love, Jesus' love, something incredibly powerful. Jesus said again and again, everything hangs on that. The entire sum of all the laws in here, all 613 laws in the Old Testament hang on this alone, love. What is the greatest commandment? Love God, love each other, love tell you a story of a young man. I can't tell you where and I can't tell you his name and I can't tell you when because I can't give him away. But this young man was actually trained to hurt Christians. He was a radical Islamic follower who had been trained to hurt Christians. And in a certain part of the world, Hope volunteers were serving the community as we do. Amen. And some of the local leaders were concerned about our influence as Christians. And so they sent some of their trained people in to come in and spy on hope worldwide. And to find out what we're really up to. Is this just a front? Are we just trying to manipulate people to join our church? But the answer is no. Hope comes to love and to serve. Amen. And so he was sent in on a long-term undercover operation. And he got in there with the volunteers, and he was working side-by-side with them, and he, guess what, got close to them and began to realize what an incredible, loving group they are. And he was so blown away by the love, guess what? He started studying the Bible. And it didn't stop there. He started studying the Bible, and he got baptized brother, yes, but more than that, as equally to that and as exciting as that is, he's also an employee of Hope Worldwide. Amen? (laughs) The power of love. Somebody Somebody full of hatred, somebody trained to hate. Boy, won't that preach in our world. Won't that preach right now? We all live in fear, waking up every day not knowing who's been shot, what's been blown up, who's been victimized because of the color of their skin, because of their ethnicity, because of their language. How much does our world need people who love, who understand mercy? So three times, Jesus said, go find out what this. Go get this. You know, when somebody tells you something three times, that means it's important, right? I mean, that means you better do it. My mom would say, Robert, pick up your shoes when I was a kid. And what do kids do? Okay, yeah, sure, mom. Then the second time she'd say, pick up your shoes. The third time it would be, Robert Hector Morris Carrillo, pick up your shoes. And I better do it. When Jesus tells you something three times, we better do it. We better figure out what it means. First time he said it was in Matthew chapter 9. Let's go ahead and go there. Matthew chapter 9. As Jesus went, and we're reading in verse 9. As Jesus went from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he said. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, Jesus had a habit of inviting himself over to people's houses for dinner. Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This is the first time. And you've got to understand the scene. Jesus is beginning his ministry. He's been out healing and serving and teaching and preaching and healing and serving and casting out demons. He's fully engaged. He's fully in the battle. And now he's beginning to raise up leaders, to raise up new people, to build his army of light, to build his na- holy nation. And he sees Matthew, and he tells Matthew, follow me. Matthew. Matthew. You know what Matthew is, right? He's a tax collector. And unless the universe changed in the last 10 minutes, people don't generally love tax collectors. Did you invite any tax collectors over for Thanksgiving? Did anybody here send them a Christmas card? No, we generally don't like tax collectors. We've heard sermons about how hated they were. But you got to remember, this is... Matthew, a Jew. He grew up hearing the stories of Moses, of Joshua, of David, of Elijah. He knew the kingdom stories. Why? He was a kingdom kid. But something went wrong. And he took a left turn and he messed up. And he was out wasn't in anymore. And most people would want nothing to do with him. He not only left, but he betrayed. And Jesus saw him and said, I want you on my team. How different Jesus was than the religious leaders, than the religious people of the day. The religious people were like, why would your teacher sit with this guy? Why would he even be around these people? They're losers. They're traitors. They quit. They they, they don't get it. They're, they're, They're in sin. They're messed up. But Jesus, sitting there eating dinner with them, reaching out to them. There was something about Jesus that Although there is nobody more righteous than Jesus. Nobody. Yet they didn't feel judged and condemned by him. They felt loved by him. They wanted to be around him. How different his view versus the religious people's view. Their view was get away. His view was to love and pull them out. Jesus picked Matthew. You know, I think about, I want to be like Jesus. And I got a long way to go. I got a lot to grow in. I got a lot to change still. I've been forgiven of so much and I need to continually be showered with God's grace and mercy. I know, I know that. But I also know that Jesus picked me and wants me on his team. And Jesus picked you and he wants you on his team. Because Jesus' ministry is a ministry of mercy and grace and forgiveness and kindness. I also know because he picked me, I want to be my best for him. I want to give him everything. Everything. I want to serve Him. I want to give my all to Him. And like the song says, I want to be His hands and feet. I want to go wherever He sends me and give up whatever He asks. Because He picked me. And guess what? He picked you too. The world will tell you if you're perfect, if you got it all together, then you get to be in the church he said no correction because you don't have it together because you're messed up because you desperately need help I've made a church for you there's two kinds of people in this world there's those who are messed up and know they're messed up and those who are messed up and don't know they're messed up that's it those are your options which one are you How do I know? Because if you know you're messed up, then you know you desperately need Jesus. And if you don't know you're messed up, if you're prideful and deceived and arrogant, then you think you don't need Jesus. He said, go find out what this means. I desire mercy. His church would be a place where people love each other, no matter their skin color, no matter their language, no matter their ethnicity, no matter how bad they've blown it, no matter how messed up they are, the church of Jesus would be a place of mercy. When somebody messes up, you reach out and help them. And you pull them back in. When somebody's weak, you lift them up. And I don't mean you just call Sam and have he lift them up because he's big and strong. You lift him up. When the apostle said to Jesus, these people are hungry, send them away. He said, you feed them. His church should be the people who care. When they see a brother struggling, they reach over and grab him and say, come on, bro. We're going to get strong together. We're going to go to the spiritual gym together. We're going to do some bodybuilding until the body of Christ is built up. I desire mercy. Mercy. The second time was in Matthew 12. And this is, I don't have time to read the whole story, but this is when Jesus was crossing the field with his disciples and they started eating wheat. Remember that? And the religious people started criticizing them again. Started getting all critical on him and saying, you know, well, you know, you're breaking the Sabbath, you're not supposed to do that. Da, 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 da. The truth is, he wasn't really breaking the Sabbath, he was breaking their understanding of the Sabbath. The Sabbath says you should not work on the Sabbath, it doesn't say you can't pick wheat when you're hungry. So Jesus again turns around and says, If you had known what these words mean, verse 7. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the innocent. So you get all critical because according to your little way of thinking, everybody's not doing things your way. What does God really want? Not a bunch of critical thinking people, but a bunch of loving, merciful people. If he's hungry, don't get on him for picking wheat. Feed him. If he's hurting, don't get on him because of the way he expressed he's hurting. Help him. Love him. He says you would not have condemned the innocent. When we get self-righteous, we condemn the innocent. It's the sin of Christianity. Judgmentalism, self-righteousness. Jesus wants people that roll up their sleeves and help. And the last one in Matthew 23. This is that third one. Jesus is mad now. This is the third one. You know, it starts out saying, Whoa, you're in trouble. And this isn't like, Whoa, horsey. This is not that kind of woe. This is like, Whoa to you kind of woe. He says in verse 23, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Now, I'm assuming that's the tone he said it in, but I think it's probably right or close to it. See, it's easy when you've been around a long time to get self-righteous. These are the older religious people, they're looking down on everybody, they're judging everybody by their own standards, looking at the rules. Was God against rules? No, absolutely not. He made up all 613. Rules are good, but that's not what it's about. Rules are important. If you're going to drive home, you drive on the right side of the road, please. Rules save lives. Rules get you to where you need to be. But that's not what this is about. Any more than marriage isn't about rules. you got to obey the rules. But it's about love. It doesn't say, husbands, obey the rules. It says, husbands, love your wives. You see, this is a religious problem. We get all caught up in the rules, and we think that's what it's about. When religion falls to its most base state, it's about rules. Somebody walks in and says, what are the rules of your church? Or a brother asks, you know, what do I have to do to stay in the church? What's the requirements? What's the rules? You've missed it if that's what you're thinking. It's not about how much do I have to give. It's how much can I give. It's not about what do I have to be at. It's what do I get to be at. He said, you guys, and he's telling them, is, you, 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 you pull out a tenth of your mint, Dylan, Have you ever seen cumin, comino? I mean, I, I did this just to see what it was like. I pulled them all out, and I separated a tenth of all of them. I put them in a little baggie, and I brought them to church, and I thought, oh my gosh, if somebody sees me with this, they're going to think the wrong thing, this little plastic baggie with his green herbs in it. And I said, I better not do that anymore. So I left my illustration at home. But they would do this. They would do this to make sure they're following the rules. He said, but you missed it. Yes, follow the rules. Said, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. But that's not what this is about. Yeah, go to church, go to midweek, give your contribution. Yeah, do that stuff. But that's not what this is about. This is about loving God. This is about loving each other. This is about being a light to the world. This is about changing this world. And the good thing about all these problems we're having right now is because it shows everybody the world is lost in darkness. Don't tell me the world's doing fine. It's not. It needs the light it needs disciples of Jesus they had forgotten what was most important and that's what Jesus came to straighten out this isn't about following rules follow the rules it's about loving God with all your heart you got into this it's about loving each other it's about not judging not being critical not nitpicking, not being self-righteous don't follow any of those That's that's the yeast of the Pharisees it's about really being merciful kind judgment is coming but it's not today and you're not the judge right Today is the day of grace. Today is the day of forgiveness. Any sin you've committed can be forgiven today. Now is the time of salvation. What does our world need? It needs people who care. Why is there so many people hungry when there's plenty of food? Why is there wars over land when there's plenty of land? Is it not sin? And what does the world need? It needs Love. And who's going to show the world this love? You are. You. Because you are the light of the world. And who showed us? Jesus. I'm going to close with this story. There's a very wealthy man who amassed a great amount of wealth. A lot of nice things. Nice cars. Nice house. Nice furniture. And unfortunately, his wife got sick and passed away. And all he had was their little boy. And then, even sadder still, his little boy got a disease and died. And all he had left was this painting of his little boy. His son. And then the man died himself at an old age. And they had an estate sale. And they're selling everything. And at the estate sale, the first thing that came up, was this painting. And there were a lot of people there because they wanted to buy his nice things and his nice cars and his nice house. And they said, the first thing is this painting. And the painting, they said, we're going to start the bidding at $500. Nobody raised their hand. He said, okay, we'll start it at $300. Nobody raised their hand. All right, 100 Nobody raised their hand. He said, all right, $50. And the little old guy in the back raised his hand. It was the gardener. And he loved the sun. He used to play with the sun outside. And he loved the sun. And so the, the auctioneer said, Okay, sold to the gardener. And he closed the book and said, Okay, this auction is now over. And everybody like, Why? What do you mean the auction over? Why? Why? What? And he said, It was left very clearly in the will that whoever got the painting, whoever got the sun, gets everything. That's how it is. If you get Jesus, if you get the Son, you get everything. God bless you.